you are listening to Lighthearted Leadership with Lizette, Season 3. Hello everyone, Dr. Lizette Warner here to talk to you about authentic hobby or business. Seems like a strange topic for us to take up here on Lighthearted Leadership, but like everything else, You've come to expect from me this lightheartedness where we take on sort of serious topics. And one of the things that I've been I've been doing a whole lot more of, and I think we've been talking about that here on the podcast, is working with business owners, uh, particularly coaches, like working with coaches to help them build, launch, and grow their business because I wrote the book, Power, Poison, Presence, as you know, because we've talked about it here. So I wrote this book and I wrote it initially for all the leaders that I was coaching and for all the leaders that I would never, never coach um, because they would probably never come to me. Did you know this is some of the research that I've been doing while I've been working on my next project that 61% of CEOs do not have a coach? That's by up up coach I think that is by up coach and I saw that I was like oh my goodness I can't believe it but one of the the reason I bring that up is because it it plays into some of the work that I'm doing and what I'm moving into but I've started to work with coaches because as I was writing the book power poise and presence one of the things that I discovered was I you know my mission was to help create a world where people feel confident, where they feel empowered, even if they're not in a position of power, or they feel like they can walk into any sort of situation poised, balanced, calm, regardless of the storm that is brewing in front of them. And I did that through the book. And what I realized is that if I can make small business owners, coaches successful, they will ensure my mission of creating this world where people feel empowered, poised, and present and confident in the world, because that's what coaches do. And I was having coaches that were coming up to me asking me, you know, how how did I do all the things that I did? Because it seemed sort of surreal that I uh, was coaching so many people. I got my professional um, certification in coaching. And I started building up my business and I started, I was working full time to be completely vulnerable here. I was working full time while building up a coaching business. And I didn't intend to build, launch and grow my own business. I kind of wish that I had known that's on the road that I was on, the journey that I was on. It, it happened for me, um, for several reasons, I mean, some of which we're not really going to get into today, but I really wanted to hone in today on when do you know if what you have, because what I started with was a hobby for me. It was something to keep me not only, this is going to sound bad, but totally vulnerable here with you, to keep me entertained, engaged, working with problems. I love to problem solve So the coaching for me was something that I, it started out as a hobby, but it quickly became a business and something that I started to run and operate as a business. But there's a difference. And a lot of times what I've realized in working with coaches as I do is that when I'm in conversation with coaches, sometimes they think they've 
got a business when in actuality they have a hobby. And how do you know? So that's what we're getting into today. That I, I want to leave you with some, some specific tangible takeaways. So if you are, you're working on a side hustle, you've got something, a hobby that you're thinking maybe this is going to generate income from me for you. Let, let's spend some time on that. And I want you to have some tangible takeaways. So by the time we're done today, you're going to have some things to take away so that you'll be able to recognize is, is this, do I want to take this and turn this into a hobby? And to do that, I'm going to put myself out front and center. One of the things that I was asked as I was growing my business was, you know, how did you do it, Lizette? And one of the things that kept coming back to me was people telling me, well, Lizette, you know, you must not sleep. You, obviously, you must have a twin because how do you do that? How do you work full time? How do you work full time and, and coach? You must be incredibly lucky, which I, I found always very patronizing. Like, oh, I, I was just lucky at doing this. No, I wasn't lucky. There was a process. There was something behind it. Not initially, no, there wasn't. And actually, I take that back. Initially, there was. I did have something. It's not what I have now, but I did have something. And often people would say, you know what? I could never do what you've done. And I disagree with that. I fundamentally disagree with that. Yes, anyone can do this. And here I'm going to show you, I'm very vulnerable, going to show you exactly what I was doing. When I started, I was working somewhere on the order of 60, 70, I'm going to hang my head in shame, 80 hours a week. I was traveling. I was working. On Friday nights, my husband would come to my desk at 830 p.m. evening time telling me it is 8 30 at night on a Friday. You need to stop working. And oddly, sometimes he still does that because this is just the way I work sometimes. The point is what I did and what you're seeing if you're on the video is I started to curtail my working hours at work and yearly. So the, the chart, if you're looking at the video, the chart is showing the decrease in hours that I worked at my full-time job going from 65, 70 hours a week down to 50, down to 40. And what that ended up resulting in is I was able to start coaching in the space that I freed up by reducing my working hours and then I took on another project. I started writing a book and I started using my morning hours before I went into work. Before I showed up for work, I started working a couple hours a day, writing my book, writing a chapter, editing a chapter, editing a couple of chapters, editing on my lunch hour and coaching. And I started coaching in groups because groups took up less of my time and I was able to still work and then coach a small number of hours, but make a big impact. And the, the rest of the numbers are here. Essentially, the rest of the numbers kind of stay steady. But that, that really was what, what I was doing. And so to explain sort of this entrepreneurial 
journey that I was on. Initially, you know, people think, okay, yes, I want to want to have my own want to have my own gig. I want to have I want to do my own thing, right? Because then I I get to set my own hours. I'll get to call the shots. Like I want to be able to decide my future. And for many that is the entrepreneurial journey and that is the dream. And what I've found in working with the veteran coaches who've done studies, they found some, and this was a, a single case study, but it was a capstone study that showed that two years after coach training, where a majority of people wanted to coach and set up their own business, 60, 50 to 60% of people were no longer coaching. And if I look at my own coaching cohort, and I look at who's coaching and who's still working and who's somewhat given up, quote unquote, given up, they're not coaching anymore. They had maybe set up their business or set up their LLC, they've stepped away. So I see those numbers playing out in my own coaching cohort of people not pursuing that dream of coaching for whatever reason. And it can be coach here, I'm talking about coaching, but it can be consulting and and the numbers actually for consulting are worse than coaches. The Small Business Administration says that within two years, 50% of small businesses go under. That number gets worse for consultants. It's something like 80% of consultants. And a lot of it is this entrepreneurial mindset that people have of, hey, I get to set my own hours, I get to call the shots, I get to decide the future. But the truth of the matter is, yeah, you set your own hours, you call the shots, you decide your future, that's not given by anyone else. So this implies discipline, this implies that you have a plan. And many times that's a difference between Do you have a hobby or do you have a business? Because that entrepreneurial journey, it is tough. It requires deep amount of focus and deep discipline as well. Because the the truth of the matter is running, running a business, here's the myth. And if you're watching the video, here's the myth, right? The myth is that you go and you get a logo, you get an LLC, you get some branding colors, you get clients and boom, you're ready to go, right? That's, that's the myth. That is really, if I look back at how people were starting their business, you look around and this is what people were doing. They were getting the logo, the LLC, they were getting a website, they were thinking, okay, I'm going to get clients. And the the myth is that you hang up your shingle, right? You, you set the open, I'm open for business. And the myth is that like clients will come running because I've got a website, I've got a podcast, I've got a this, I've got a that. And clients come running to you. But the reality, the reality is different because once you become a business owner, you are essentially, if, if you're a coach and you're familiar with coaching CEOs, it's isolating. As you rise in leadership, it becomes more and more isolating. You are further and farther away from people that you can trust and talk to. And, and coaching is no different. Consulting is no different, especially in those service industries where you're constantly client facing and giving to your clients 
you're constantly giving and it can be a very isolating type of profession where you have no colleagues. You are the entrepreneur. You are the one setting the direction. You're setting the tone. You are giving to your clients every day. You are setting your vision, your mission, your plan for your company. So coaching, but not just coaching, a lot of business owners, it can be an isolating profession depending on what your business is. And as you're running your business, there are all these things you have to keep in mind because you have competition and you have to keep on top of not just serving your clients, but what's going on in the industry. Hello, chat GPT, AI's coming, right? You have to stay on top of those things. How are you going to modify your courses? How do you now stay on top of the latest trends for your clients and for your business? All of those things you have to stay on top of. And then who is your sounding board? Who's your accountability so that that plan that you put together, who's looked at it from different angles to poke it with holes to see Yes, maybe, you know, give you different perspectives or who's holding you accountable. All of those things and all of those questions, a lot of times you don't think of when you're setting out to set up your business. So the reality is when you're addressing, you know, when you're looking at, do I have a, do I have a business or do I have a hobby? And what do you think if, the, if you're listening to this and thinking, you know, I have, I think I have a business. Well, do you have a business or do you have a hobby? How do you know? What's the difference? What's the difference between having a hobby and having a business? And having spoken to so many business owners, I can tell you, I have a very quick way of determining, is that a business owner or is that a hobbyist? And I can tell in a short conversation, they'll say, I have a business. And in my mind, I'm thinking that's a hobby. So let's talk about that. Are you running a hobby or or a business? What's the difference? Really, what is the difference? What do you think it is? What do you think the difference is between having a hobby and having a business? I would love to know, you know, reply back to me, drop it in the, in the um, comments section, leave me a review. Let me know. What do you think? is the difference between a hobby and a business. And maybe you're going to disagree with some of the things that I say here, because the truth is a hobby is delightful and it isn't a well-oiled machine to make money. And oh my gosh, now I dropped the money word. Many times, and this is what I find, I'm making grand uh, generalizations here, but I find that business owners are uncomfortable talking about money you know, so we run a hobby and a hobby is more, I don't know, it has this, this grander gesture, right? Because it's a passion and it's not necessarily there to make money. But here's the, the truth. A business exists to make money, even nonprofits. Any business that doesn't make a profit dies, period. So your nonprofit They're there. They exist to make a profit. And the reality, going deeper with this, is that an S-Corp, an LLC, a nonprofit, or a not-for-profit, those are all tax designations. 
That's not a moral code or a moral compass. And I mention that because so many of my small business owners who are coaches, who are looking to, how do I how do I now price my services for this nonprofit? Because, oh, I feel, I feel morally obligated to have lower rates because it's a nonprofit and I need to help them, right? My social media um, consultants as well. Well, I work with nonprofits and I feel bad, right? Charging. And so many times we lower our rates or we do things for free. That's not a business, right? A business needs to make a profit. So I'll give you here an example. The NFL is a nonprofit. And guess what? The NFL posted revenues of $17 billion. The NFL is a nonprofit. Mayo Clinic, another nonprofit, according to the Rochester Post Bulletin, Mayo Clinic reported a $16.3 billion revenue, which was up by 3.5%. And this was in 2021. The Cleveland Clinic, another nonprofit, posted unrestricted revenues, this according to Becker's Hospital Review, of $13 billion. So again, nonprofit, not-for-profit, LLC, S-Corp, whatever you have, they're tax designations, not a moral compass. I lay that out here because many of us and many of the small business owners that I work with and the coaches that I work with have this belief, have this mindset around money and around, you know, non, not for profits or nonprofits. And we all carry these belief systems. So when you enter that entrepreneurial journey, you need to check your own money mindset. What is your belief system around money? Because if you're creating a business, the fact of the matter is that business survives with money, with profits, which means your products and your services have to cover the needs of the business and pay your salary as well, pay your wages or whatever other wages that you might have. So I'll ask you again, you know, are you running a hobby or are you running a business? Because that business exists, as we've said here, to make money. But it's not all about money, right? Businesses, especially small business owners, there has yet to be a small business owner or a coach that I have talked to that hasn't expressed their passion for helping someone. The whole reason they set up their business or they set up their coaching or their consulting or their speaking or their social media practice, whatever it is, whatever that business is, the whole purpose is because they see a problem and they want to help and they have a passion. They have something that they're super good at doing and they want to serve. And that passion is what underlies a business, but a passion also underlies a hobby. So again, how do you tell? Because they, they're both there. They're both there. This passion is there in the, in the hobbyist and the passion is there typically in the business owner. Now here, when I give it to you right now, the biggest difference that I see between a hobby and a business 
for the owner is this fear. Fear is in the room, really present when you're a business owner. When you're running a hobby, you're not really so worried. Fear isn't isn't the, the top priority or the top worry. It isn't fear, right? When you're that business owner, there is fear is, is part of the journey. It is your constant companion helping you reach out to clients, maybe people that you don't want to talk to, helping you to network, helping you putting that fire under your feet so that you will will make progress for the benefit of the business to keep the business afloat. Because here's what business owners do with fear. They face everything and rise, right? Fear, face everything and rise. A hobby owner is going to pursue their passion. A business owner is going to face everything that comes up and treat it as an opportunity, especially if you have a business coach, this is the way you look at fear. You rise above it. And this is your constant companion. And I mean, constant companion. I don't care if you have a seven figure business, there's going to be some aspect of fear in every stage of your business. If you are a true business owner, because it is with you, every business owner from, from a lemonade stand to seven, eight figure businesses will face problems every single day. And those problems bring up fear. What do you do when your P&L, your uh, profit and loss, when that's not looking so good, right? Then you are facing, as you see in the marketplace, layoffs that happen. So fear is, is a constant companion for business owners. But I also think that that passion is what underlies how business owners move forward in their business. And I teach my, my students in the business academy about business owners and businesses having this property or having this what the Japanese call ikigai. So which is passion, you know, we talked about passion, passion underlies your business. Ikigai is a Japanese word that refers to the passion that gives value and joy to life. So if you're a business owner, if you're a hobbyist, you both have the passion, right? Business owners have a passion for what it is they're doing. And ultimately, those business owners, especially the ones I work with, they want to pass something on They want to help their clients so that they can then help their people that they work with, their clients, their clients work with other people. And you begin to change by helping others. And so ultimately, business owners, you want to look at what is it that you want to pass on and how do you do that? Because the distinction between a hobbyist and a business owner 
is all in this ikigai. And I'm going to demonstrate it with a Venn diagram. So, and this is just a, a graphic that I pulled, but there are these four concentric circles. If you're not, if you're not watching the video, there are these four concentric circles and they all overlap. And ikigai is where all of them overlap. So it is doing what you love, doing what you're good at, and each of those are a circle, right? The other circle is doing what you can be paid for. And the last circle is doing what the world needs. Now, when you are running a hobby, you're doing what the world needs. Maybe you're doing what you love. There's passion right behind there. And you're doing what you're good at. All of those things kind of overlap and mesh. And when they do that, can be a signal that it's a hobby because you're doing what you love. You're doing what you're good at. You're doing what the world needs, but that piece of what you can be paid for and that it's a well-oiled machine might be missing. Conversely, you've got people in working in corporate America or corporations, wherever around the world, working in businesses. And if you are doing what you can be paid for, but then there's something missing, right? You feel like, ah, oh, there's just something missing in my life, but you're doing what you can be paid for. But if you're missing doing what you love and doing what you're good at, or just even doing what you love, right? Maybe you, you're doing what you're good at. Maybe you're doing what the world needs and maybe you're doing what you can be paid for. And where all of those overlap is then you're missing the piece of doing what you love, your passion and your mission is missing. And so you feel, feel an emptiness there. But a hobbyist may not feel that emptiness. They, what is missing in the hobbyist is that piece of doing what you can be paid for and having that be this well-oiled machine making a profit, not for profit's sake, right? But making a profit to help lift the business that the business survives so that you can help more people. When you are doing what you love, doing what you're good at, doing what the world needs and doing it in a way that you can be paid for it and generating this well-oiled machine, you are operating in this concept of ikigai, right? You, your passion, you're, you're doing this and it's bringing joy to your life and to others' lives. So those are a few of the things that I wanted to share with you about the difference between what I see as a hobby and what is a business? Now you might disagree. Maybe you have a different litmus test for what's a hobby and what's a what's a business. But typically I find if that, that fear component is missing, we're sort of just operating, you know, it doesn't matter if we operate with a profit or a loss. We don't necessarily know what all of our expenses are. We're not keeping track of that. I'm not necessarily 
um, minding who's doing what, like maybe I'm doing most of, uh, most of the things in my business. There's a, a more laissez-faire attitude that I find in hobbyists than I do in business owners. So that's my distinction between hobbyists and business owners. And not to say there's, I'm not bringing judgment here. Hey, if I, I when I started, I, I've had many hobbies over my um, my entire life. And some of those I thought, oh, maybe that'll turn into a business. And a hobby is not a bad way to start with a business because it does give you the opportunity to experiment and play around to discover, is this the thing? Is this a thing? Is it viable? Is this a viable option to turn into a business? So there, there are good things about that. And Ultimately, you may not want to have a business. There are burdens that come with having a business. So there's no judgment here, whether you're, you're operating a hobby or a business. That being said, I work with business owners, with coaches who want to maximize their business. They want to maximize the number of people that they can help so that they can make a difference in the world. And they want to do that through their business. So that's some of the work that I do. Um, with all that being said, you know, um, there are there are tons of tools out there. You can find several of them on my website. You know, and while we're at this stage, one of those tools that I share with my coaches is HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a sponsor of the show and HoneyBook is a customer relationship management tool that allows you to contract, invoice, keep conversations, uh, longitudinal conversations with your clients. So they come back a year later, guess what? All the conversations are right there in HoneyBook. And so you don't have to go scrounging around in your email inbox of what, what did I charge that customer before? Because it's all right there. So check out HoneyBook. The link will be in the show notes. Um, grab, there is a 60% discount on HoneyBook that you can take right now to try it out and see if that would work for you and your business. And that brings our show to a close today. Look, I'm uh, Lizette Warner. You've been listening to the show. So you know me and I have uh, business tools, resources for coaches. I will drop the links in the show notes. There's a business essentials. If you liked this section of the podcast, there is a business essentials seminar that I've given. I'm going to have the um, seminar recorded and up on my website. So connect with me. I'm on Instagram. Follow me for all of my adventures. And I'll let you know once that video is up and feel free to um, connect and watch the rest of the of the seminar. But this was a one segment from that. And I figured I'd share that because there have been having a lot of conversations around, you know, what what is a business? What's a hobby? And I'm hoping that this is helpful for you. And wherever you find yourself, you're you're exploring and you're exploring on the hobby space, great. Once you go into the business space, there are tools, resources that you're going to want to check out, things like HoneyBook, but also I have a checklist that I give my coaches. And this can be really helpful for you when you're looking to establish your business. What are some of the things that you should be looking for? And what are some of the tools and things that can help you in that adventure? 
So I am Dr. Lizette Warner, and I want to thank you for joining us here today. And I also want to ask you, what did you learn? What are you taking away for yourself from today's show? Let me know. Reply to me. You know, write a review for the show and let me know what you took away. What is the what was the thing that that you enjoyed? What would you like to know more about? Let me know. I am but a message away. All right. All right. I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Join us next time for another peek at lighthearted wisdom for your life. You have been listening to Lighthearted Leadership with Dr. Lizette Warner. Life is a winding road. No telling where it goes. Driving through days and nights. Won't stop for traffic lights. 